0: Hello and welcome to the Go Fish Village podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Mercer. You can check out all of our past episodes at www.gofishvillage.com. If you're in the market for a home, check me out at www.listwithmercer.com. Today we got a special guest, has a great story, um, needs no introduction. Uh, the name is Mike Morawski, 30 year real estate veteran, controlled over a quarter billion dollars, billion with a B in real estate transactions, entrepreneur, author, real estate trainer, public speaker, personal coach, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, Without further ado, I just want to introduce Mike. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Hey Josh, thanks for having me. Holy cow, I had to look around when you were saying that, say, who's he talking about?
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, thanks again for coming to the show. Definitely appreciate you making time. I know you're a busy guy. So tell me about this 30 year journey, man. How did you get started in real estate?
1: Yeah, great question. So, you know, I actually had a general contracting business. Um, I went uh, built a, a pretty large company uh, in the northwest suburbs of Chicago here. And, you know, As being an entrepreneur, Josh, you know that you take care of everything. So I was still banging nails and uh, scheduling guys and hiring guys and going on estimates and writing bids and buying material and doing all the bookkeeping. And I woke up one morning, looked at my wife. I said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm burned out. Decided to uh, sell the company. I was pretty fortunate. I had somebody knocking at the door and uh, sold the company and took a year off. And during that year, we house hacked a couple of houses. And now this is long before it was sexy, right? Yeah. Today, everybody does it. And it's kind of the way you get into home ownership. Uh, But back then it wasn't. And so, you know, Josh, I've always believed success leaves clues. Jim Rowan said years ago, um, do what successful people do and you'll change the learning curve, shorten the learning curve, and can be, you know, really help you be successful. I met this real estate agent who was extremely successful at the time. And I went to him and, and talked to him about going into business and he encouraged me. He said, Mike, I think you'd be great at it. You know, you know how to build relationships with people and you are, you know, um, you, you you have the work ethic that it'll take to be a real estate agent. So he encouraged me, I go in the business and, you know, part of that success leaves clues. I I always thought that <clears throat> I would go to him and say, hey, could I shadow you and your team to pick up some techniques and some things to do? And he said, no. He said, I'm going to do one better for you. I'm going to make you a cassette tape. Now, that kind of dates me a little bit, because I don't think we can find anything to make a cassette tape on today. Not anymore. Yeah. But uh, he made me a cassette tape. And, Josh, I burned that thing out. I listened to it over and over and over and over again and the fundamentals that he taught me caused me to go in the real estate business. My first nine months I sold 78 houses. I was wow. Remax Rookie of the Year that year. I went on to build a team selling 125 listings a year. I gave all my buyer business away. Um, I wasn't a guy to, to show multiple houses to buyers, you know, so I uh, gave, it, gave that business to somebody else and um, I I sold over 125 listings a year for about the next 10 or 12 years.
0: Wow. How did how'd you get to the point where you can sell that many listings?
1: Was it a team that you had or was that all you? Yeah, no, I put a team together. I had a couple listing agents and, um, you know, I had a staff of five. Mm-hmm. So, Um, you know, we processed all the paperwork and, and it was nice, Josh, you know, I had a schedule, right? I I went to work Monday morning and went home Friday night and I didn't do anything all weekend work wise So it gave me an opportunity to, to spend time with the family and, and, um, you know, I think that a lot of times, uh, as a real in the real estate business, we can get so caught up in everything that needs to be done. We forget about the things that are important to us. So. Um, you know, I just built this schedule. I can remember coming in on Monday mornings, having five or six offers on, you know, and deals and, and, you know, agents being like, where have you been all weekend? I said, well, you know, my voicemail said I, I I'll be in Monday morning. So, um, yeah, but I had this offer. Well, you know, it's, you still have it, right? So <laughs> we can still do it now. So, um, so yeah, uh, I'm, 2005 rolled around. I was doing a lot of production and the market, I saw the market starting to sit, uh, soften. I knew something was going to happen. And I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. So um, I decided, you know, let me go in a different direction with my real estate business. I'd always wanted to be in the apartment business. Um, you know, when I was in the construction business, I did a lot of work for inland real estate, big commercial uh, syndication company. Sam Zell's company, Equity Office, and you know, I did a lot of work for them when I was in the construction business. So I knew the model. I understood you raise private equity, you marry it with a great real estate deal. As long as everything goes well, you stay in the middle, everybody makes money. So 2005, I said, let me try this syndication business. And I went into the apartment business, found a small 11-unit apartment building, and I syndicated it came together really well. I went out, raised a couple hundred thousand dollars, put the debt on it, and and started to build my business from there. Over the next 30 months, I raised $18 million. I bought uh, $60 million worth of real estate. It was about 4,000 apartments in five different markets. I vertically- how, how, how much did you raise? Uh,
0: $18 million. Wow, so let, I'm gonna get to that. So. Why, why syndicate
1: and and first can you just explain what syndicating is? Sure. It's, it's kind of what I said a minute ago where you, you raise private equity from individuals, from people who want to be in the real estate business. They want to invest in the real estate business, but they don't uh, want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to take care of the tenants and toilets on their own. Uh, they want somebody else to do it. So syndicating is like a, a REIT, a small private REIT um a reed is a real estate investment trust it's where you can invest money and get a return so um we put together these syndications i had 38 different companies 38 different properties um over that period of time that that we had a couple hundred investors in so how do you get paid when you, if you're the
0: syndicator putting a deal together what are the, all the ways you can get paid off of that
1: um you know, there's probably five different ways to get paid as a syndicator. Mm-hmm. Um, one is an acquisition fee for putting the deal together. Um, then there's a disposition fee on the back end. When you sell the property off, you'll get paid a fee for doing that. You get paid um, on the cash flow along the way, uh, pair pursuit to your investors. So your investors would all get paid first, have a preferred return and you'd get any percentages of overages beyond a certain amount. It's all structured in the business deal, right? So I'm not going to try and get too technical on you right now. Um, You could get paid from the management. uh, If you're managing the property yourself, you could get paid asset management for overseeing the uh, property managers. And then again, you could get paid um, the, um, a construction management fee. So if you're buying a value add property, you're gonna go in and do a bunch of repairs and capital improvements to it. You gotta get paid for your time overseeing contractors and, and making sure work gets done, get paid for your time doing that too. So that's how uh, uh, syndicators typically get paid along the way. And then of course, at the end, when you sell off the property and the property has profited Uh, over time, you get paid a percentage of that back-end profitability.
0: Wow. So why why would you syndicate a deal versus going to
1: a bank to get financing? Well, you do get some financing from the bank. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're still going to go get your typical, you know, 70, 75% loan on that property, but you're raising all the money for the capital improvements and for the down payment and everything else along the way. Okay. Okay. All right. So
0: when you syndicate a deal, do you first identify the property or do you say, Hey guys, I'm trying to raise a million dollars. This is what I want to do.
1: And then do you go find a property? Great question. So there's a couple ways to do it. The way, the second way you talked about is you're building a fund, right? So, you would get investors to put money into a fund, and then you'd go find properties to buy with the fund. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that way works after you've done a couple of deals and have a little bit of a track record and some success. But the first way, you're gonna go find a property, structure a deal, put it all together, and bring partners to the table to help you do it. You know, Unless you have uh, a very heavy net worth today have a lot of experience, have some other apartments under your belt, to syndicate a real estate deal today takes takes the efforts of a team. It's not just, you know, a decade ago when I was doing it, you did it by yourself, but today you bring in partners. So like Josh, you and I could partner on a deal. Mm-hmm. You might have some strengths and some weaknesses that you're really good and, and not so good at. And I might have some others that complement yours. And then we might have to bring another partner in that complement you and I, and then we might ultimately have to bring somebody in who's got, you know, um, net worth experience, uh, portfolio, uh, and to go and sign on the loan. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we're going to run it and operate it. And so, <clears throat> that's kind of how a syndication works today. And then wow. you're bringing your limited partners in your, your equity, your class A shareholders, you know, there's a lot of terminology for those folks. So, Hey, you know, there's a lot of people out there, Josh, that raise their hand and they say, Hey, I want to be in real estate. I want to be a real estate investor, but I don't want to go. I don't want to collect 10 and I don't want to collect rents. I don't want to deal with plugged up toilets. I don't want to deal with trash filled places. Mm-hmm. I want somebody else to do it, but I know that I can make money in it. So, those are those are our target investors the people who want to invest money in that syndication that we're doing and then there's ways to look at those right so uh, when you're putting a deal together like we're in chicago you and i um, i'm not a big chicago buyer i just closed a 40 unit deal in tampa um, because i like to be in um, markets right now that have a high population migration where there's people moving there, right? And they're moving there because quality of life, they're moving there because there's no state income tax, they're moving there because um, they uh, have better opportunities. And which, when you have high population migration, it causes job growth, it causes household income to grow, um, and that gives you the opportunity to raise rents. And so I wanna be in a market where I can buy a uh, less expensive property, add value to it, change off your tenant base uh, and uh, resell the property at a higher markup. Wow. So um,
0: how are you, like if if you're in Chicago when you're syndicating a deal in Tampa and it's a value add, how are you building a team? If, you know how how can you manage a project from Chicago and it be miles or you know a whole nother
1: time zone? It's great, great questions, Josh. Um, so the um, we have a third party property management company in Tampa that specializes in in Tampa there, and they um, manage the property for us. So they're the ones that do the marketing and collect the rents and take care of any evictions and um and then we're overseeing the contractors right now on the on the repairs and renovations getting done um and overseeing the um um property manager as well so when if let's say you you approach
0: someone to invest i mean what is a good return right in in today's market like what should i expect to get and how much of money is is worth your time Uh, because i'm sure that Maybe $1,000 is not going to move the needle for you, you know, right. But if I'm an investor, let's say if if I have a hundred grand, you know, why would I give it to you versus put it in like the S and P 500?
1: It's a great idea. So traditionally over the last 20 years, Josh, the, uh, stock market has, um, averaged an 8% return over the last 20 years. Um, and that's considering all the ups and down markets. So that's kind of a point in the sand. Um, One thing I want to mention though, is investors can invest several different ways into these. So you have, you could, you know, if you have money sitting in a bank account on the sidelines, you can invest that money. Uh, If you have money in an IRA uh, or a old retirement account, you can invest that way. If you have money in the stock market, you can move it to a self-directed IRA. You can invest that way. So there's, there's multiple ways that an investor can invest in, in, in an alternative investment and real estate is an alternative investment. Why? Um, so from a standpoint, and this is a very fluid conversation right now because the market moves. So I've seen real estate deals in the past that, that investors have made 20, 22% a year. That's not what's happening right now. Uh, We just did a deal where our investors are getting an 8% cash on cash return um, on an annual basis. So if you're an investor, you put $100,000 in this deal, you're going to get $8,000 a year. Um, But it also is inclusive of a back-end return of about uh, 17% on this. So if you're getting 8% along the way, the other 9% is going to come to you at closing. Okay, we believe it'll be better than, you know, 17% total, but that was conservative underwriting. Um, I believe, Josh, that that over the next several months, you're going to start to see deals do this. You're going to start to see people earning, you know, pretty much on average a 6% cash on cash return. With maybe to an eleven or thirteen percent overall year after year return, so these traditionally you're going to hold these deals about six to seven years. I think that we're going to start to see these deals being held seven to ten years. Oh. Um, I think you know cap rates, uh, cap rates have compressed, which has caused pricing to get really high, so um, properties are are more expensive today. Than they would traditionally be, and as a result, and I know you noticed that in the in the residential market too. Oh yeah, definitely. So I'm not just talking about commercial markets. So because those prices get a little bit higher, um, uh, you know, um, there's that worry of inflation. Interest rates are going to go up. Multi-family is a great place to put money during an inflationary periods because yeah. of the consistent cash flow, because of the returns. So,
0: so as it, if I invest in a deal, how long typically? How liquid is that investment? If you know, are you telling folks, hey, we're gonna need this money for a certain, certain period of time? Um, how are you keeping them abreast of the projects that you're working on?
1: Yeah. So, um, the, uh, they typically range from six to seven years. Okay. we this one we're doing right now is a six year deal. Um, and we'll sell the property in six years and, uh, the investors will get pretty much what the return looks like is a 2.6 multiple, which means they're going to get their investment back. Plus 1. 1.5, 1. 1.6% over their investment. Now,
0: they're getting paid an annual dividend as well?
1: Well, that's the 8% preferred cash on cash return. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. Now, to syndicate, do you need any type of
1: license to do this? No. No, you don't. Um, You you do follow SEC guidelines, Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, Make sure that if you're going to go syndicate a deal, you get a good securities attorney. Um, Could be quite expensive to bring a securities attorney around your, you and your life, but it will also save you from any problems down the road. Um, hopefully. So. So
0: um, one of the things
1: I, I, I know that
0: you are very strong on is, is needing an exit strategy
1: before you buy. What, yeah.
0: What does that mean?
1: So I, I wrote a book called Exit Plan. And I wrote that book because um, I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years on coaching and training and books and tapes with some trainers and teachers that are very, very good at what they teach. Um, but I always walked away feeling kind of empty and I walked away going, man, I'm missing something. Um, but everybody always teach, teaches us how to find a deal, get in a deal, operate a deal nobody teaches us how to get out. Nobody teaches us how to maximize our profit. I wanted people to look at exit plan and say, Hey, you know, there's different strategies, different places that I could exit a property and it doesn't mean just selling. You know, there's a number of different types of exit plans that people can exercise uh, to get out of a deal and make, you know, realize their profit and their gains.
0: Wow. So yeah, that, that's important. Even as a realtor, I always tell people, you know, you make your money, um, when you purchase it, you know, you want to be able to get out of it if, if you need to get out of the deal. So I can definitely, uh, sympathize with that. So, um,
1: 200. I'll go Let ahead. me just say this real quick. So on that light of what you were just saying, right. We've heard for years and I'm sure you've heard this too, is that you make money in real estate when you buy the deal which is true you do you make money by buying the deal right but you don't realize the gain until the exit yeah right you realize the gain right yeah so why not teach people how to exit no that's
0: i'm always thinking about exit with anything any type of business you know because you never know what could happen and you know can't work forever so a lot of this stuff you're trying to do as a means to an end um Now you, you started syndicating, or I think you said, um, in nine months, uh, you raised
1: how much in nine months? I raised, uh, $18 million in 30 months.
0: Yeah. How did you, how were you able to do that?
1: Yeah. So crazy story, um, not ever duplicatable. Uh, when I decided I was going to syndicate that deal, I put a little classified ad in the newspaper. 45 bucks, it cost me three lines. It said real estate investors wanted. and As a result of that, my phone rang off the hook. And for the next uh, six months, I raised about um, $600,000 in seven months from that little $45 ad. Best investment I ever made in my life, Josh. Wow.
0: So So, when you're doing, uh, I mean, People were just reaching out. They didn't, did they look to see, you know, your background or your qualifications?
1: You know, um, yeah, people always do, you know, but I had been in real estate at that point for 15 years. Yeah. You know, I had a, I had a healthy list of, of fix and flips and rentals and, and everything else. This was just a different space. Going in the apartment business was a different space. And, and so my first deal was 11 units. My second one was 64. My third one was 87. After that, it was all north of 150 units. Um, I, I didn't think I'd ever close a 200 unit deal. I thought, oh, let's play around with this. You know, I'll never do a 200 unit deal. Josh, within two years, I was doing 350, 450 unit deals. So um, and these are all at the same property. Yeah. Those are apartment complexes, right? And that's what I teach people how to do is I teach them how to buy apartment complexes and, and scale their business. So, so do you recommend, uh,
0: like having properties spread out, like, let's say single family home portfolio, or do you recommend having all your doors in the same place?
1: You know, it depends on who you are. I believe that uh, scattered site housing is more of a pain than it's worth. Let me give you an example um we're going to come into a market here and people haven't experienced this lately but we're going to come into a market here where you're going to have some vacancies okay and it's going to be a shift because people are going to um you know double up go to cheaper place you know so there will be some vacancies coming up but i want you to picture this if you're a single family property owner and you own 10 single family properties and you're vacant In one or two properties, nobody lives there and you don't cash flow enough because of the other ones, you're paying that money out of your pocket to, to cover that mortgage on the, on the vacant ones that can get kind of painful after a couple, three months. Right. Yeah. But if you own a 10 unit apartment building and they're all in one place and you have one mortgage, not 10 mortgages. You have one furnace, not 10 furnaces. You have one roof, not 10 roofs. Now your maintenance costs are less. Your expenses are less. You, uh, If you have a couple of vacant units, you probably still have enough capital coming in to pay your bills. So there's a big difference and we call it economies of scale. So. I think that, uh, once an investor comes into the real estate space and they hear about this thing called multifamily investing, all of a sudden they go, wow, how do I, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So it's economies of scale.
0: No, totally, totally. Um, I mean, I have, a, uh, I I got some two unit buildings and I don't, I'm, I'm in between tenants and a few of them. And it's, uh, it's painful, especially uh, when you're trying to flip the unit or rent it out, you got to drive over here, drive over there, you know, so I definitely want to get, you know, more doors in the same place. And every time I talk to a person that's really into multi-units, they always saying, uh, the more doors in one place, the better. But I do have a few friends that prefer single families because they say people stay there longer,
1: you know? Um, I think tenant retention is an art. They might stay there longer because of who they are. Yeah. They might have the same results in a multifamily. So I I, I don't know, but I I believe that uh, tenant retention is an art. What, well, do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think as a landlord, um, you you have to you have to be a certain temperament as well as be open to working with um, with that tenant to keep them there. So um you know hey listen if a tenant's gonna move out do you know why and if they say well i'm moving down the street because you know first of all you can't do anything if they're going to buy a house you're not going to change that but if they're moving down the street because they're they're getting a newer appliance and they're saving a couple dollars well what can you do as an owner to keep them can you paint the unit give them a new appliance save them a couple dollars and then they don't have to move so they save the money of moving but you save the money of being empty and releasing and, and your marketing costs. Mm-hmm. So you could save, the average owner will save $1,700 between tenants by trying to keep that one tenant longer.
0: Well, that, that makes total sense. Uh, I try to do everything. I try to make my tenants feel at home. You know, yeah. uh, I've I charged a little bit less than market rate and I do offer little things like you know washer and dryer try to make it convenient good parking the whole nine yards Um, so if somebody's watching this though and they want to be a syndicator like what are some traits that a syndicator should have Um, because it sounds cool to be like okay i'm gonna raise money i don't really have to put up my own money or maybe you do Uh, what are some traits that you know a person should have
1: yeah, so um, I think that a good syndicator knows how to build good relationships, mm-hmm. strategic alliances, right? Um, we've all heard that uh, cliche that you your net worth is equal to your network. Mm-hmm. So who's on your team? Who's in your space? Who do you associate with? Hey, you know, Josh, if you or I walk into a room and we're the smartest guys in the room, we're in the wrong room. We, mm-hmm. need, to, we yeah. need to find different room you need to go stretch yourself and be in rooms that um uh people know more than you know yeah and 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 that's how that's how we grow that's how we learn right totally agree i mean iron sharpens iron Uh, that's something that i always preach
0: so in i think 2008 i mean um the, the economic crisis it really affected your business right
1: yeah, so so I scaled this business, hundred million dollars. Um, I had a property management company also managing seventy five hundred units. Um, had the the uh, private equity. Oh, you you had seventy five hundred units that you owned. No, we we owned four thousand, uh-huh. but we managed another thirty five hundred for other owners. Wow. So um, so I had a I had a, I had a company that was valued around a hundred million dollars. Oh uh 2008 rolled around and um i don't know if people remember you know what happened during that That was the worst economic crisis the world's ever seen josh i'm sitting at lunch with my cfo and the news happened to be on and there people are carrying boxes out of lehman brothers by the droves just walking out and and i remember looking across the table going we're screwed aren't we he goes yeah we're in big trouble so i didn't know the magnitude of that or what was coming but you know i knew that the markets were going to change that everything was going to change you had big banks go out of business you had insurance companies go out of business you had such a disruption in the marketplace um the we were heavily vested in in markets where car industry and transportation was heavily uh heavy, heavy there so people started losing their jobs People started moving out of apartments. Apartments are driven by occupancy and driven by the net operating income, the amount of money that comes in from people that live there. And when people move out and they don't live there, your occupancy drops, your net operating income drops, you can't pay your bills. So I went from 90%, 93% occupied across the board to 72% overnight like that. And, and it's hard to mitigate the storm when that's going on. Um, so, you know, 2010, we had really come off of the rails. Uh, and so what I started to do, thinking I was making some smart business decisions, was I started to move money from profitable companies to non profitable companies. Uh, my accountant and my attorney both said it's okay to do that. Just leave a paper trail, um, which was fine thought. And, and here was my belief, right? I had been involved in recessions in the past. So my belief was, hey, this is just a short recession, 17 or 18 months, the market will correct. When the market corrects, only be a 10 or 12% correction. We'll put the money back, all will be good. Well, that never happened. It was a seven or eight year correction. 40% in the marketplace correction, and I wound up um not disclosing it to my investors the movement of money.
0: Oh and okay.
1: non-disclosure, you know how big disclosure is in the real estate business. For non-disclosure, I got charged with wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. Wow. How did this come up? Or like
0: uh like is some like Did you get audited or something? No.
1: You know, there were a couple of things that happened in the peripheral. Somebody we were doing business with wound up being indicted on some charges from something five years prior to us even knowing him. And as a result of that, we were a victim on his case. Somebody went to the FBI and said they wanted their money back and, and real estate's not liquid, so of course we couldn't sell off the properties and give them their money back. So the FBI started to investigate us and, and you know, um, they pick low hanging fruit, I, you know. It, it's There were a number of other little things that happened along the way fact of the matter is I made some bad business choices I moved money I didn't disclose it to my investors and, as a result of that I broke the law and for breaking the law, um, I wound up going to federal prison, I was gone for about eight years. Um, But but here's what's interesting I went to prison and and I always tell people Josh I say I never flew private I didn't have a boat. I didn't buy a big house. I didn't drive a fancy car. I was the neighborhood baseball coach. My wife and I had a great marriage. We were best friends. I was home every night for dinner. Um, I got ripped from that lifestyle to live in a 12 by 12 room with three men that I didn't know, nor did I like. And I had three green outfits, five pairs of underpants, wondering what the hell happened in my life.
0: Mm.
1: I walked around for like the next two weeks, saying, you know, how am I going to get through today, much less, how am I going to get through the next 10 years? And, um, my wife decided she was going to divorce me and it crushed me. It just wrecked my life. So, um, I walked around like the next six weeks, Josh going, you know, how am I going to do this? What's going to happen? Right. Why did this happen to me? How did I wind up here? And, um, I, I walk in the gym one day and I always tell people, I say, look, I was just window shopping. I wasn't looking for anything. I wasn't, I'd gone from running marathons to being 35 pounds overweight, hating myself. And I um, I walk in the gym and this guy walks up to me in the gym and he goes, hey, get over it. He goes, don't let these people beat you. All they wanna do is take from you everything you've ever known. They can take your real estate, your uh, your company, your money, They can destroy your family, but what they can't take is who you are and what you're made of. And you know, Josh, we all have these turning points in our life, right? These defining moments. And this was one of mine. He said, come to this gym every day and you can get it all back. He goes, start working out. And I don't know what it was, but something he said clicked for me. I started going to the gym. I started working out. I started feeling better. And then boom, all of a sudden, I went to college, I got a bachelor's degree in theology. I wrote two books. I wrote two home study courses. I wrote uh, an ethics course. I taught real estate and ethics in prison for six years. Um, there's, um, uh, there's some guys who came home from, that I was locked up with, Josh, here in the city that are, are doing real estate and said to me before they left prison, if i would have known i'd have made this much money selling real estate and doing real estate i'd have never gone and sold drugs so i made kind of an impact in people's lives while i was gone too and um you know i i also was on an outreach program i went into the community i told my story like 40 times to small business owners and local college students uh met a professor from the university of minnesota and he and i co-authored a paper uh, that we got published last year in the business journal of ethics. Mm -hmm. It was an ethics case study that gets taught at the forensic accounting, uh, classes at the collegiate level and sales and marketing. So I really turned things around. Um, today I'm back in the coaching and training space. I teach people how to invest in real estate, multifamily, specifically how to scale a business, but live a balanced lifestyle, not lose focus on what's really important for people. Um, I, um, I, I really try to pull up next to people and, and do hands on experience through my coaching with them and help them learn and grow. Um, and, uh, I, I just got approved by the sec to go back and be a sponsor or an issuer of deals. So we're actually back, uh, we just closed our first deal. So.
0: Oh, good. Congratulations. So, did, I mean, did the money that was lost on that
1: deal, did you have to pay everyone back? Well, there's, there's restitution, but a lot of the real estate got sold while I was gone. So, you know, okay. there were there were chunks of, um, you know, capital that got paid back. Yeah. So what,
0: what was that like? I mean, to go from being very successful, you know, having freedom to going into uh, prison and having your freedom
1: taken away? You know what it was like when you went from uh, having an open, free life with no mask and COVID hit? Mm-hmm. It was that on steroids. Well, wow. so it was worse. Um, I came home the week they closed the world down from the, for the pandemic. And, and I said, man, this is no different than it was being locked up behind a wall. Wow. Um, so um, I think every, you know, and here's, here's a point I want to make, Josh. I think so many people in our world, in our society today, are locked in a mental prison um, and sometimes don't even know it. You know, they don't forgive people. They're not grateful for what they have in their life. Um, and, and I think once people realize that there's a better way in life, they can change everything. You know, we all have those defining moments, right? Um, but I think when people realize that, that they have it pretty good, you know, Josh, you and I probably are are at the top one percent of income earners in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean when you look at the average income in places overseas like in Russia and, and Eastern Europe and Africa that, that they make between a thousand and five thousand dollars a year. Geez, look where we're at, right? Yeah. Um, and we're lucky to be here. So um even in the midst of all of it, but people need to I think if people walk around in in this mental prison that they have being locked up, that they never get ahead. They don't take opportunities that they have in front of them. So I always try and encourage people, Hey, you know what, forgive others, be grateful for what you have, you know, be humble for who you are in your life and and you can do so much more with your life. So. So it was through and that's
0: great advice, by the way, but it was through working out that you were able to kind of maintain your sanity and create a vision for yourself
1: um, and help others. It was through working out, Josh, but it was uh, work, it was through my relationship with the Lord. You know, I'm a believer and um, um, always, I have been for years, but never never to the depth that I took it when I was in prison. Uh, you know i went to college i got a bachelor's degree in theology and um my and and i knew i needed to to close that gap that distance between me and god me and jesus before i was able to really going to grow in my life yeah and so that's what got me through yeah I guess if you wasn't a believer before you definitely became a believer once you got in there you know, Josh. Listen, I'm sure you know a lot of guys that they that have been there and and they're out. And uh, and I know a lot too. But you know, here's here's the deal, right? They 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 call it in prison. They say, oh, you're you're a prison you're a prison Christian, and you know you you got just Jesus for the ride. And you know, a lot of guys did. A lot of guys did it that way. But um, you know, I also know a lot of guys that didn't. And, and that's what their life's based on today. Yeah. So where, where, where are you up to now? Um, you know, like I said, I'm coaching and training people. I help people uh, understand the fundamentals of real estate, of real estate investing, of multifamily real estate investing. Um, I like to coach people. And with my coaching clients, I like to put partnerships together. I'm a, I'm a huge networker and connector, so I like, love to meet people um, and introduce people to other people that can help each other. Uh, so I'm, I'm coaching and training. I am uh, doing deals. This year, you know, 2022, our goal is to close 500 to 1,000 more units. And so we'll raise a bunch of capital to do that from private investors. And then the, the third thing is, I wanna tell my story to the world, Josh. I believe my story provides a lot of hope and inspiration that we can't let our past define us, that we can move forward. I know an awful lot of guys that, that died in prison that, and I don't mean literally, I mean um, you know, just not, just that they aren't doing anything they came home they they're not working they're collecting you know social security or unemployment and not doing anything but but man you know there's a whole life ahead of you doesn't matter how old you are it's all what you want to get out of it and you can go get it so i guess when you were in prison you kind of had an exit
0: strategy once you <laughs> once you kind of got there so cuz i'm thinking you know so I wanted to ask you how were you able to like reinvent or rebrand yourself once you got out but that
1: process kind of started while you were there. Did you, didn't, yeah. you didn't wait until you got out? I t- you know I've been at this 30 years. I taught for 6 years while I was in prison. Mm-hmm. So and I wrote this book Exit Plan. I mean your listeners we could uh, you know your listeners can go download it from my website for free. Um can just go to mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan and and download a copy um and you know it talks about exit planning about maximizing your your profit potential but yeah so i taught in in prison for six years real estate investing property management and ethics how ironic right a federal inmate teaching ethics
0: (laughs) wow well i mean i'm sure you um i mean it's a lot of value in there i always tell people uh you know, the, the people that I want to hear from are people that have failed in life because they can give you, you know, the best lessons when it, you know, I have a, a few final questions. One, um, I mean, you were a contractor, a realtor, syndicator. Uh, you did some, you know, you flipped homes. Which one, if I wanted to say, okay, I want to get to a million dollars, which which way is the quickest route?
1: A million dollars in what?
0: net worth or income. I just want to have a, get a million dollars in my bank account.
1: Yeah. One day at a time. One day at a time, keep pushing forward. Here's one of the things I just, you know, I was just on the phone with a, a, a new coaching client and, um, he's, uh, he's an entrepreneur. So, um, I I also work with a couple of entrepreneurs, right? A couple of salespeople. I work with a guy in a staging business, a moving company that, you know, as employees issues, you know, we all as entrepreneurs have have similar issues and, you know, um, experience and knowledge I can provide. But here's what I told this guy. I said, look, here's here's how coaching works. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to teach you anything new. What I'm going to do is I'm going to help you self-discover what you already know inside that you need to go do. And then what we're going to do is we're going to give you an assignment and you're going to go over the next seven days and, and complete that assignment and come back and have to be accountable to me to why you did or why you didn't. And I personally, in my coaching uh, lifetime, never wanted to go back to my coach and say, I didn't get something done. I always worked on my assignments. I always pushed the needle forward. All we can do is push the needle forward every day. As a result of that, what happened was I grew my business over 20% a year, year after year from, from a direct result of my coaching. I don't care what industry you're in, what business you're in, go get a coach because I think coaching is really effective. Here's a thought. If you make one improvement in yourself every day, 1% improvement by doing something different, uh, you get out of bed a little bit earlier. You read more in a book, you eat better. Whatever that 1% improvement is every day, at the end of a year, you've improved three hundred and sixty-five percent, haven't you? Yeah,
0: yeah. Compound <laughs> Not, interest too, man.
1: Yeah, compound interest too, right? <laughs> hey, none of us grow professionally unless we grow personally, and and that's one of the things that that coaching does for people too. Is if I can help you grow personally, your professional c- career is going to change also.
0: How much has real estate changed since um <laughs> you first got in it?
1: until now. I mean, why would you ask that? You're trying to date me, man. <laughs> Cause you're younger than I am. <laughs> um, Hey, listen, let me tell you this. When I first got in the real estate business, the contract was three pages and there was no home disclosure. So now there's home disclosures and radon and mold and all kinds of disclosures and, paperwork you have to sign and contracts are 10 pages and sales contracts are attorney ridden. And so, um, that's how much it's changed. (laughs) Pricing (laughs) has changed, but here's what hasn't changed the fundamentals around doing the business as a sales agent. I went in the business. I sold 78 houses. My first nine months in the business. I believe I could go do that again today. Um, if I, if I needed to, or wanted to, uh, the fundamentals have not changed so if you're a sales agent and you're looking to, to grow and scale your business let's
0: chat Mike thanks for coming on the show if, uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about your coaching or follow you how, how do they do that
1: thanks for asking um, first of all anywhere you hang out on social media I am um, so whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn, which are my two preferred platforms, but you know, uh Twitter and Facebook, and uh you can find me there personally or my company, my core intentions. Um and, you know, pretty prevalent and pretty loud. So you can connect with me on social media or direct message me at Mike at mycoreintentions.com. Like I said, I love the network, I love to to build relationships with people. And, and if I can do anything for anybody or answer any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And uh, hey, another thing too, by the way, uh, have a, a back in the property management business as well. So have, you know, for people in the city who have um, properties that they own and don't want to manage them, want third-party management. Uh, we could chat about that as well.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I did have uh, another question um, for someone who may be watching this and you know, maybe they did time in prison and they do, they are mentally, you know, they want to change their life, but you know, they maybe hit obstacles. How, how do you handle obstacles when people research you and they find this information out before you, before you
1: tell them? Um, so, you know, that's a great question. I had a situation early on after I had come home, I probably was home three, four months, and I was trying to get a meeting with a guy out of New York. And um, we scheduled a meeting and and the first, we get on the phone and the first question out of his mouth was, hey, tell me who this person is. And it happened to be the name of my ex-partner. And I thought, man, this is a defining moment right now. I can either tell this guy that I know him, it's kind of like Peter and Jesus, right? Peter denied Jesus three times, Um, and, you know, I thought, man, I could deny this guy or I could just step right up, and I stepped right up, and I said, that was my ex-partner, and he said, good answer. He goes, if you would have lied to me, I'd have hung up on you. Um, So people are going to research you. People are going to check me out. People are going to check you out. Uh, Google is is a big thing today, but here's what I know. Uh, You can't let your past define you. You got to move forward. Not everybody's going to like you. Some people are going to like you more I had a big realization. One day I was doing a, a meetup event. There's probably a hundred people on the meetup event. And somebody says, uh, Hey, are you raising money? And I just had told my story. And, you know, we we're people were asking questions and, and somebody from the audience said, Hey, are you raising capital yet for deals? I said, no. He goes, let me know when you are. Cause I don't want to invest with anybody other than you. Because you've already made the mistakes. You know what not to do. So, you know, I I think people have that sentiment as well. So Hmm. good stuff, man. Good
0: stuff. Well, Mike, man, thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, Go Fish Village podcast where we help people just like you create wealth through real estate. Uh, I look forward to talking to you soon and learning more.
1: Thanks, Josh.